I mean, it's hard to think of a year where the circumstances going into a Pac-12 season were more optimistic uh, from a football standpoint. Like, returning star quarterbacks left and right, the five or six teams in the initial top 25, Heisman contenders, Nationals champion, you know, college football playoff sleepers, nothing could be going better. Surely such a strong conference will last for eternity. Or I guess maybe not, because Washington and Oregon are going to the Big Ten. Other people are going other places. It's a absolute mess. We're going to talk about that and pick this week's games against the spread on eligible receivers. He's Eric Amorin. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of our picks over the course of the season. Intro got a little ropey there, but I decided to one-take this thing. <laughs> it's all you can do. We're entering our 15th consecutive season of the Pac-12 football podcast by Hot Dog and Friends. Unbelievable! At this point, at this point we are an institution... In college football podcasts, I refuse to believe that there's another one that has been going longer than what we are doing right now. I'm going to say that. I think I said it last year. We have to be the longest-running college football podcast in the land. It's amazing, amazing that we put out this content for occasionally dozens of listeners. Occasionally, yes. Yeah. Usually less than Usually that. Less, but, but I don't care. I love, I love doing it. I've been doing it. I was counting that up as I was like, you know, finishing up making dinner tonight. Uh, uh, I was like, yeah, this is a 15th year. Incredible, man. It's Incredible. unbelievable. It's much older than any of our children. Uh, that was a little cameo for my cat who decided to jump on the computer. Love it. I'm for sure going to lock you out of here. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so we actually did have a game last week that we didn't pick because, frankly, they played too early is what I'm going to say about that. USC played San Jose State. Uh, USC were wild favorites, and we're going to take a zero on that game because we didn't pick it. Thank goodness, because we would have picked it wrong, I'd think, right? We probably would have taken USC to cover the spread. They did not cover the spread. Their defense uh, still doesn't look great. A couple of alarming things is, one, uh, San Jose State at one point was down with a short and goal-to-go situation and decided to just go power, and it worked. Not what you want to see for USC. Nope. Uh, they picked up a uh, third down and 22 at one point with a broken play, quarterback scramble. That's not great. Um, and, yeah, they, they scored more points than you would like to see if you're a USC fan who was probably already pretty nervous about Alex Grinch coming back as defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, you know, other than that, their offense looked great. They've got uh, that uh, incredible wide receiver, freshman wide receiver who had a big game. Uh, Caleb Williams is the uh, you know reigning Heisman Trophy guy. I don't think there's going to be any issues with them on offense. It's uh, all going to come down to whether their defense can improve. All right. So we're at a clean slate, zero and zero. And because there were no – well, I don't know. Do we want to talk about realignment at all? Do you have anything you want to say about that? Why don't we talk about it at the end? Okay. That's fair. We'll get nice and, we'll get nice and lathered up, and then we can get into this. All right. This realignment business. Uh, I did love that the USC game was on Pac-12 Network. <laughs> <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, baby. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, all right. So we actually have uh, Pac-12 football games tomorrow night on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, we're going to start things off on ESPN. A game, a tough one, a rematch that was played last year. Florida and Utah. Utah was a superior team to Florida last year, but they went to the swamp early in the season and had – uh, you know, in the balance at the end of the year, you'd say very surprising defeat. Okay. This time Florida has to travel to rice Eccles, uh, where Utah are a four and a half point favorite. I saw an incredible stat today on Twitter. So take it with a grain of salt. <clears throat> it's the first time that Utah has left the state of Florida for a non-conference game in 30 years. That's uh, very believable. Florida left the state of Florida. Yeah. First Unbelievable. Time Florida has left the, the state for a non-conference game, a true road non-conference game in 30 years. So maybe they played a neutral game at some point. I don't know. Yeah. But 
there's they picked a good one because this is a real ass away game. Yeah. Um, Rice Eccles is no is no fun to play in. As you mentioned, Utah should have won last year, and I mean, kind of kind of fumbled it away if we're being honest. Yeah. They will not have Cam Rising at quarterback. It was announced today that he is out or or doubtful for the game. Um, He's playing. So, so Utah is going to go with their backup, who at least on this opportunity will will you know the, the coaches will be able to put a game plan around him. I, I'm picking Utah minus four and a half. I'm sure the line when I did it yesterday was six and a half. And yeah, so four and a half. I'm sure that's a reaction to the news that Rising's not going to play. Um, but I I'm picking Utah on the on the strength of their coaching staff. Like every year, you just it's like. People sleep on Kyle Whittingham somehow, and the guy's the best coach in our conference. I don't think it's close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like absolutely a top tier Pac-12 venerable coach. Um, I that gives me pause though. If they don't have their quarterback, I mean, I guess they're not like a super high flying offense anyway. But I'll take Utah. I want him to get right. All right. All right, then the other game on Thursday, Southern Utah is going to Arizona State in a game where I'm not seeing a line. FCS school versus FBS school, no line. So free free money for us as we get to take ASU. Arizona State, the bowl band, Arizona State Sun Devils. What a bunch of horseshit that was. Yeah. Doing that less than a week before the season starts to basic to effectively lock every player in and block them from transferring. Throw Kenny Dillingham, your first-year head coach, who's 32. What are you doing with your life? Um, throw him under the bus and, and force him to, you know, think of how many times in the recruiting, you know, scenario that that guy's gone to bat for, um, uh, you know, had to tell recruits and incoming senior transfers and whatnot, no, no, we're good, we're good. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just a total mess that that happened. That is a mess. And you know it's like uh, it's like if a defense attorney could offer their own plea deal, it's like you know the self-imposed ban. You'd be like, well, yeah. we're probably we're looking at a lot worse if we get another set of eyes on this. Yeah. So all right, we take ASU in that game, even though they they you know probably aren't going to be in the best of spirits. Maybe they'll have a chip on their shoulder. All right, Friday on CBS Sports Network, the home of wild random games that I prefer to watch on Saturdays. Uh, Stanford is traveling to Hawaii. Stanford's bowl game, first game of the year. And the beginning of the Troy Taylor era? Beginning of the Troy Taylor era. Hawaii played at Vanderbilt last week and actually gave them a game. Hawaii's got themselves a quality quarterback, so you got to be a little concerned about that if you're Stanford. I believe I saw Uh, Timmy Chang coaching them. Timmy Chang, the head coach, he's got a he's got a quarterback. Uh, they were absolutely horrible last year, if you remember. Yeah, uh, those Hawaii that Hawaii program, which leads me to believe that Stanford might be in some trouble here because this is the first uh, first season of the of the Troy Taylor era and or, you know first game and uh, they were so bad last year. It's hard to tell. You always feel like Stanford has some talent on their roster, but I also yeah. feel like we have to affirmatively turn the page on the the Harbaugh Shaw era because like that's that's they were so bad Shaw's last couple of years yeah I don't think there is any residual uh talent or hangover from uh, I mean they're just bad and have been bad for a couple of years now so I'm gonna take Hawaii in this one I I think that's a very good pick I'm gonna take Stanford though just on you know the major conference team um they got bigger guys in the trenches wasn't a problem against Vanderbilt, but I think Stanford has sturdier lines than Vanderbilt does. Um, but yeah, Maybe. It, this is going to be good watching. Yeah, I agree. All right, and that takes us to Saturday. We're starting off at nine a.m. That's a that's a a big nude Saturday, I think. Right, big nude game or whatever they call it. Oh yeah, uh, Colorado and TCU on Fox. The first game for Deion Sanders. And his collection of like entirely transfer players, all transfer players. I um, can't see this working. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very confused by the Deion Sanders 
what's the line in this? We got it's got to be TCU minus a million. Twenty and a half. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's um. I think TCU I mean, I think by that, however many they want. That feels right. Yeah, I mean Colorado's got. You know, I, yeah, I, TCU played in the national title game last year somehow. Somehow. I don't know, man. Yeah, because I think like what Dion's huge advantage was at uh, Jackson State, I believe it was, uh, was that like I mean he was able to just get talent in there that was not comparable to his opponent opponents, you know, and like TCU's got you know a better roster I would assume than Colorado. You and, think so? And continuity. I mean, there's, they were. Was this last year they were a playoff team? Yeah, and they're at home. Yeah. Colorado's taking this uh, collection of 60-some-odd new players that Deion Sanders put together with probably very limited depth. Yeah. Um, and I don't know much about the transfers. I know that they took a uh, former five-star transfer from Washington, uh, Savelle Smalls. But I also know that the reason that he left was because he wasn't going to be a starter on our defense yep. and, and was probably going to have trouble breaking the two deeps. Um, as like a third year junior or yeah, fourth year junior, I don't know, maybe he redshirted, I don't know. Yeah. Um, which means that like Colorado took now, I don't know if he's in their depth or not, but to be fair, but that's the kind of, that's the transfer they're taking and that, you know, that's not great. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take TCU. I'm going to as well without a second thought. I mean, I'm going to need to say to kind of finish what I was talking about earlier, uh, just because I forgot to finish it, was uh, Dion was able to out-talent these schools at the HBCU level. I'm not, it, and I didn't watch any of their games. I don't know where he's at schematically. I haven't heard anybody say, you know, that he does or doesn't do anything innovative. So it's all new to me. So just based on we've seen it from TCU before, uh, it, that seems to be a, a very safe and easy pick that we ought to bet. I listened to the Audible uh, podcast, and they had on uh, a gal from Oregon State um, to talk about Oregon State and its plight. And she mentioned when they were talking about Colorado that uh, in the biz, so to speak, that Dion is actually sort of like sneaky um, appreciated. Like okay. They, that he they feel like he's actually a decent coach. He's he's more than just the hype. Yeah. Um, which is. Interesting. Um, I think that's good for Colorado. Yeah. Uh, but again, this is the first game on the road. TCU. It seems like a rough spot for them. It just fe- looks and feels like a blowout to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, along the same lines, Oregon is opening up against Portland State uh, at home. Uh, FCS team, no line. Oregon, in a, a, you know, even more so than TCU. However many they want. They're going to win. They're going to win by a whole whole lot of points. That's what I would guess. Fastest show on turf, I've heard. Uh, Next up, California and North Texas. Is Wilcox still there? He is. Unbelievable to me. Also unbelievable to me that this game in Texas. At... North Texas, California Golden Bears. You got Stanford going to Hawaii. You got California Golden Bears going to North Texas. When we uh, discuss realignment in a little bit, uh, we should reference the, this this turn of events vis-a-vis what uh, Big Ten and SEC, SEC teams do because uh, why is California going to North Texas? I f- feel like North Texas has been like an okay team at least once in the last three years. And I know Cal... He hasn't been able to score since Tedford was there. So yeah, like, I, I'm not taking year. Cal on the road against any potentially competent outfit. I've, I'm taking North Texas happily in this game. I'm taking North Texas as well. Uh, they have a new coordinator, Jake Spavital. They have the backup TCU. So Jake Spavital is a Sonny Dykes disciple. They have the backup TCU quarterback from last year, so that is a Sunny Dykes coached team, TCU. So in theory, Cal is is warming to the notion that it needs to play offense. Yeah. In college football, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm going to take North Texas here because Cal was so bad. I just there's too much scar tissue. All right, back to the Pac-12 Network. 
uh, on Saturday afternoon. Nevada travels to USC. We're Pac-12 Network getting all they can out of USC here. Um, USC by thirty-eight. Yep, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. So what is that? So we we're saying they need to score. Nevada's getting twenty-one points. probably. Mm, Sixty, yeah, so seven <coughs> points. Almost got up there. It's quite a bit. It's quite a few. Um, <clears throat> Sixty points. Um, I, I'm uh, I'm gonna take them. I. I USC played last week, which means they've already got a game under their belt. Yeah. Nevada did not play. They've got to go into USC, uh, into the Coliseum. That's not great. Um, I, It just feels Nevada's going to get so overwhelmed so early, and USC was throwing late against San Jose State. And I think San Jose is actually not a terrible team. Um, they looked they looked reasonable. Their, their quarterback is picked to be like the the player of the year, offensive player of the year in the in the – uh, Mountain West this year, so they they like actually San Jose State might be a little bit competent. So and I've heard no such thing about Nevada, so I'm going to take USC. Yep, I'm I'm actually going to agree with that. I'm going to learn nothing from last week slash not overreact to last week and just say USC same reasons they already played, they are going to score a ton of points, um, and we'll see if their defense can shore it up a little bit. Yep, and I don't believe Nevada is as highly regarded as San Jose State this year. Um, next up, uh, back to CBS Sports Network. Is that a little doubleheader? I'm going to be spending some time on that channel. Uh, yeah. Washington State and Colorado State in the Mountain West preview for next year. It is. It is. Uh, I think that's the Mountain West like media package is the CBS Sports whatever. So WSU's a little bit of a tryout. Um, <laughs> they're 11 I wonder point... if they're like really rolling out the red carpet for them down in Fort Collins here. 11 like, hey, point... Dave, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I would not want to be in their shoes. 11-point favorite on the road uh, for your Cougarinos. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I think that's too many. I don't think WCU is going to lose to Colorado State. Uh, but if I remember correctly, last year, they have a quarterback in Cam Ward who does not like the forward pass. I mean, he does throw the ball 50 times a game, but only like three or four yards past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, and I know I've heard they're working on rectifying that, but – my guess is it's going to take a week or two. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Cam the Ram here to cover cover the eleven. I'm taking the Cougs. Yes, I want to believe. Of course, nobody believed not? in them. Not even good enough to say in the you know in major conference football. This is the their first chance to prove everybody wrong. I saw a piece today by a reporter who went and talked to the Cougar Collective guy. Yeah. And uh, who is a former quarterback of theirs, uh, WSU. And during this interview, this guy, for some reason, uh, let it slip that the Washington State Cougar Collective would be the fifth um, best uh, NIL collective uh, in the Mountain West right now. There are four Mountain West teams that have uh, no. better, better um, say this. collectives than uh, than does our uh, yeah. It's pretty pretty brutal. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking there with that. I would not. If I had someone running my collective, I would not want them saying that. I want. I'd say well, obviously, far and away, we're gonna have the most nil money of anybody in the Mountain West. Even if it's not true. Yeah. You just say it. Yeah. Make it true. And then hope your kids don't put it together. Yeah. Well, we had to spend a lot of money on a long snapper. There you go. All right. Uh, Let's talk about these. Yes, check this Arizona box here. Arizona's hosting Northern Arizona. Arizona, no line, FCS. Arizona's going to win. Arizona is going to win. I agree with you. Now yep. we're getting into Pac-12 after dark here. Yep, and we've got UCLA Great. hosting Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina was like a like a fringy, you know, they're like one of these bad teams that goes undefeated a couple years ago. That was last year. I think they were really good, and I think their coach has subsequently left. Yep. So I'm going to take UCLA uh, for that reason. 
Yeah, it's going to be our first year in about uh, 11 where uh, DTR is not the quarterback at UCLA. Since the Obama administration, yeah. 2017 was, uh, was the last time that they uh, did not have him under center. So it's been a minute. Um, some is it things garbs? Have happened. It is garbs, man. Uh, he won it, although they've got that, that five-star stud, uh, Dante Moore, uh, who is going to play. But it is our former Washington Husky, uh, Ethan, and, and brother of Chase Garbers, former Cal quarterback, Ethan Garbers is going to be the starter. Yep, he's getting that huddle. We're going to garber it right. We're going to garber it left. We're going to garber it, garber it downfield. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, and then here's a little Sunday action. I don't like that. A little Sunday fun day. <laughs> why? Why are we doing this? Ah, I guess it's last week before. I mean, we're getting on CBS because of it. Yep. Oregon State on the road at San Jose State. Uh, like the <laughs> San Jose State, Colorado State, North Texas, and Hawaii hosting games week one against Pac-12 opponents. If you ever are curious what happened to this conference, uh, yeah. reference that. Um, Oregon State is uh, 16 and a half point favorites, I see. Uh, I don't think they're going to be – I think they're going to win the game. I don't think they're going to beat them by 16 and a half points. I think uh, San Jose State's going to cover that. They played last week, and they played USC – they acquitted themselves nicely on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Oregon State's offense will never get mistaken for USC's offense, no matter how good it is. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Oregon State like must win this game based on the preseason hype. Oh and, my I mean, gosh, so much hype! So much hype! So I, too, they have too to. much hype, I'd say. But um, but I think they're not going to do it by 17 points. I think they're going to get a nice little 10 point, seven point victory and get out of there. So I'm taking, I like San that Jose pick, State. man. I'm going to, I'm going to go with you there on San Jose state. There we go. That just leaves us with your Washington Huskies hosting the Boise state Broncos in Husky stadium on Saturday at 1230 on ABC, the way college football was meant to be played, 12.30 kick, ABC, the ghost of Keith Jackson will be on the call. UW yeah. minus 14.5 point favorites. Yeah, everything about that, you know, just 12.30 kickoff on ABC, just like you said, that's, it pleases me. More importantly, it pleases the Lord. It's the it way things ought to be. The college football gods are smiling upon this kick. Will Washington win by 14 and a half points? Per the rule of the pod, we will all take the University of Washington to cover. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, my thoughts as kind of watching Boise State from afar the last couple of years is that it's been a, a mild uh, deterioration from where they were at their peak under Chris Peterson, which is certainly understandable. Um, and you combine that with how electric Washington's offense is, like – insane you know from a scheme and talent standpoint uh i think washington comfortably by 14 or by 14 there there is there is that new rule where you've got the they don't like stop the clock in the first quarter which i guess is resulting in about 10 plays coming off the game yeah and i think it's hard for me to decide whether that, as a Husky fan, that's a good thing for Washington or a bad thing. For part of me, because we're an offensive juggernaut, thinks that the more plays, the merrier. Like we're we're all about plays because yeah, like our offense is going to score because on your average play, offense. we're going to win it. Yeah, on your average play, our offense is going to average more yards than the other team's offense, and that's going to result in more points. Um, but on the flip side, if your if your defense is the weak part of your team, particularly depth wise and you can save 10 snaps a game where they're not out there, I think that could also be good. So I, I'm on the fence here, but it, I think it, it it only gives me pause in the sense that you've got big lines that, yeah. that you cover. Like That's a good point. I didn't think about that with some of the bigger lines, but you're right. And these other things is like that you're, you're taking 10 or 15 plays off. That could be like 7 to 10 points that are coming off the board. So, And Boise State has a very big athletic quarterback. They – Really made a pivot last year when uh, Bachmeyer left. Um, things looked like they were going down the tubes. This the this cat came in and was really good for them. 
played played good. I think they're the favorite to win the Mountain West or one of them. Um, so I think this is going to be a good ass game. I mean, I think like we're like for you talked about Oregon State having a lot of hype. Like Washington, Washington, has uh, yeah, too a much lot hype. of hype, and so they're going to be feeling themselves coming out. I think the offense is going to look good. The defense hopefully looks better. 14 and a half seems like a, a lot to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, let's, let's for sure. Why not? You yeah. Know. Like every college football season for like the outside of your team, there's like a list of, you know, 20 or 30 names you ought to know. And two or three of those are Washington players, like between, uh, Penix, Adunze and, uh, for, for deeper people, McMillan, like, yes. And, you're well, right. and Braylon, Braylon Trice is a first-team All-American on defense. Been a minute since Washington's had a first-team All-American on defense. A lot of hype. A lot of hype. I mean, he's on the – I mean, who's, the, who's the last defensive player from Washington that you think made the first-team All-American preseason team? I don't know. Did Vita? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like, Vita, Vea, maybe Buda Baker. I mean, probably not Buda Baker, right? Like, I, I doubt he was the first-team safety. Yeah. Um. I doubt Byron Murphy was. Um, maybe Byron Murphy. I mean, he was pretty highly regarded going into his third year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that's that's pretty incredible. So, uh, we'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited to be there. Are you going? Uh, no, I don't have tickets yet, but this is definitely, especially considering the start time and that my kids' soccer seasons haven't started yet, I'll be free on Saturday. So, I think it's very much in the cards for me to decide on Friday afternoon that we're going to the game on Saturday. Love it. Okay, let's uh, let's open up the floor. I would like to hear what your thoughts are on the uh, pending move to the Big Ten for your Washington Huskies, along with our uh, somewhat less hated rival now, since it's I think the sort of it's the view of everybody that like we we teamed up. Uh, with the Ducks and got ourselves uh, invitation to the big dance, so to speak. I don't, I don't even know if that's the case. I read that L.A. Times article that said that like Phil Knight was on board with the Apple deal and Kalen DeBoer uh, went to uh, our president was like, I have I can't recruit if the kids aren't going to be on TV. Like, I can't do this. And so good we, point. It's a good point. <laughs> so <laughs> some might say that Kalen DeBoer, football man, he's not trying to fuck around with these apps. Like he's put on the TV. That's where I want to watch the game. That's where, that's where he wants to watch the game. That's where the parents of the recruits that he's recruiting are going to watch their football games. Yep. Uh, And so when it comes down to like, could a recruit probably figure out how to get the Apple, uh, Apple plus app on their phone and watch a game. Certainly. Yeah. But their parents aren't going to, and their parents might be real pissed if they download an app that then requires a $10 a month subscription and then on top of that $10 a month subscription requires an $80 one-time purchase to get the college football package so that you can watch a team that's recruiting you, uh, you know. I mean, I would have paid for that so fast. Oh, I, I agree. But uh, so the the numbers they were kicking around with that Apple Plus deal to get to the Big 12 payoff of like $31 million per school per year was like 1.7, 1.8 million Apple users, right, had to had to pay for it. Yeah, and I just so happened to be listening to another podcast um, that had nothing to do with college football, but they were commenting that when Lionel Messi went to Miami, the Apple subscriptions for MLS package almost doubled, uh, oh, like in a week, and that they went from somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hundred thousand. To somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.6 million, which means for the entire MLS, they were sitting at 800,000 sans Lionel Messi. Yeah, and and we're talking soccer fans here, which are the nerdiest, like the United States soccer fan contingent, MLS fans. Yeah, are the nerdiest, most technologically savvy fan base of all the major sports you're going to find. They, of, of if you would expect any sport to have embraced the Apple streaming model it would have been the mls fan base and yet they were sitting at below a million before Lionel messi came on and then when he came on they jumped to like 1.6 that is where the pac-12 would have had to have gotten just to get to the 31 million dollar big 12 payout which i thought was i don't know if the you know uw and oregon and the, the schools that had options let's call it um yeah. knew that 
but man oh man is that a devastating uh commentary in my opinion yeah i i will say that uh, Pac-12 football has a far greater traditional fan base than MLS soccer does. Uh, that, but yeah. So, like, I mean, MLS is, like, widely regarded as, well, what I think, like, in the FIFA rankings, it's, like, the 14th best league. Everybody knows it's, like, it's getting better, but it's also, it's not anywhere near the top, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I think... But, you know, potentially, I think they could have, I, like, I I wouldn't have, the proposition that a messy-less MLS would get outdrawn by the Pac-12 in terms of subscribers isn't unreasonable to me. Like, I, I would uh, think the Pac-12 would do better. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that where I'm, where I'm trying to do is the math, right? Like, yeah. MLS has, like, 20-something teams. Yeah. And it's spread across the entire country. Yeah. And they were at 800,000. The Pac-12 has, you know, 10 teams, uh, soon to be nine teams if they accepted the Apple deal. And so you're talking nine fan bases, not the L.A. market, um, driving that scenario to me seems... Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, yeah, because you, you would have to, like, you think, like, and who knows exactly how this works, but, like, you know... I wouldn't have been if like Washington approached or slightly exceeded a hundred thousand subscribers for like Washington fans. I've, that, that sounds right. Yeah, that and then seems you, reasonable you multiply to me. that by nine. Although you you got to assume Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Stanford are not going to drive anywhere. Yeah, near that's that the thing. Number. Like Stanford and Cal is going to be like nobody. It's going to be like fifteen thousand. Yeah, I, I think those numbers were going to be tough to hit. So that's a long-winded way. It's interesting. I, I didn't think the conversation was going to go this way, but it it, um, it it makes total sense to me why Washington and Oregon did what they did. I mean, I, I don't oh like yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, I dislike the move intensely. Um, I I have no patience for the WSU fans on uh, Twitter who want to bitch about like being mad like at, at or you know Washington and Oregon about like stabbing them in the back. It's like. Sorry, like yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's a big is that's life in the big city. What do you want? Like, yeah, if you, yeah. If, you know, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. I'll let you hold this knife for a second. I'm, I'll turn around. Yeah, like, I mean, basically, you know, unless unless Oregon State and Washington State have a, have email threads of their athletic directors offering to take less money on the Apple deal to give Washington and Oregon more money on the Apple deal. Basically, my understanding of their position is the only way it would have been fair is if Washington and Oregon took way less money than they could get somewhere else in order to provide Oregon State and Washington State with way more money than they could get anywhere else. Yeah. And that's that would be the most fair outcome. And anything other than that is just not fair. Well, you know, life isn't fair. To be it for one. Yeah, it's and stupid. Two, I mean, obviously, our preference is that we would have stayed in the Pac-10 or whatever. Uh, yeah, but like, yeah, but like, what are you going to do? You got to you got to make the money work. It didn't work. There's Did, no way you could less money. Nobody's watching your games unless they've got the app and the subscription. Recruiting is going to go off, you know, go off the tank. I mean, and and honestly, the Big Ten and the SEC have set themselves apart so much from everybody else that if they come to you with an offer to join that party and you become a full member, I mean, not in revenue share, but you become a full member of the conference of the year one. And by the time the, the next uh, contract rolls around, you do get a full revenue share. But basically Washington and Oregon are in, I mean, they're in the big 10 next year. Yeah. Whatever shakes out in future, in future years, they're in that conference. Conferences would have to start cutting teams before that would, you know, Washington and Oregon's, uh, financial future athletically would be in danger and by the way Washington and Oregon are like way up the list in the Big Ten now of teams that would you know they're not going to get cut first second third fourth or fifth if they do start cutting teams yeah so uh to me it's an absolute no-brainer it's just really unfortunate um and I understand why WSU and Oregon State fans are bummed out and I feel horrible for them but being pissy at, at UW and Oregon to me seems uh uh, juvenile, they, whatever. They would have done the same thing in a heartbeat. And I, I, the other things I don't understand about the college football realignment is that, like, Washington and Oregon end up with 
30 a year is what I've seen from the Big Ten deal for their partial share. It's like 35 is what I've seen, plus okay. they can borrow against future shares. And they'll get 10 to 15 more from uh, distribution. meaning like – yeah. No, like like college football playoffs, distributions, and uh, NCAA basketball tournament. Because there's more teams, more teams from the Big Ten will go to the college football playoff. M- way more teams will end up going to the NCAA tournament. The the pool of money that will be distributed. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to get that money, baby. <laughs> so that's going to be another 10 or 15 is what I think they're counting on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, what what – yeah, the other things I thought were interesting in that LA Times article is I guess that like uh, a couple few years ago ESPN came to us to the Pac-12 and was like 30 a year for everybody sign it. And yeah, they said no. And Klyovkov was like, make it 50, and they were like, fuck you, you're we're never showing one of your games again. Well, I, I heard that he went back to the presidents and they said, fuck you, go get 50. Um, and so I I don't feel like that was Klyovkov's call entirely. He might have been happy to take 31. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, what I've read, I think it was you read as well, is that it would have probably ended up at like 34 or 35. Like, yeah, that was yeah. just like their opening salvo was 30. And if Washington, if, if Washington, if the pack uh, 10 at that time had come back at 38, you know, they would have wound up at 34 and called it a day. Um, yeah. But because they came back at 50, ESPN just was like, all right, we're pulling the plug literally on your coverage. Yeah. So see ya. Yeah. Um, and that was that. Yeah. And then that gets uh, another thing that really uh, that bugs me about this is that uh, what what I you can't. I mean, I guess if SEC and Big Ten are the only games in town for major conference college football, right? Like you got to be in there if you're Washington. I don't know what anybody could possibly, you know, why anybody would think these TV networks once they've eliminated all these other conferences are going to like treat the sec and big 10 extra fair on the next round of media rights deals, you know? Yeah. No, they're not. I, that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I mean, it's, it seems to me like if they're like the people with the power are saying, I don't like negotiating with all these people, let's kind of have that number. And then we can, you know, there's yeah. fewer ports. Yeah. No, I yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I've I've heard that the 28 team Super League option, like basically the NFL models, going to get kicked around. I, who knows what's going to end up happening? All I know is that right now, the the college football landscape in particular is dividing itself up into two distinct categories: where you want to be and where you don't want to be. And where you want to be is in the Big Ten or the SEC. Uh, and so if that opportunity comes along, that's where you're going to be. Yep, you take it to stay in the game. I am a little surprised, to be honest with you, that Stanford, even like now, hasn't gotten an invite to the Big Ten because it would make a lot of sense to me when they, you know, ultimately what's going to break is if the ACC starts to disintegrate, Notre Dame will have no choice but to join the Big Ten, and the Big Ten will have the leverage finally to get them in for football, and that'll be 19 teams. And then you could add Stanford as the 20th team, and then you've got basically – four five-team divisions and you've got one of them almost entirely on the west not almost definitely entirely on the west coast meaning if you went to a 10 game conference season as a big 10 you could every team would play its four division opponents so you would have you could you could break it up to the old big 10 into classic division rivalries like there you could have the west coast division you could have the newcomer division and you would play your four. So Washington would play Oregon, Stanford, USC, and UCLA every year. And then you've got six conference games left, which breaks out really nicely, two, two, and two amongst the other divisions. There's three other divisions. You play two games against each of those schools. And there's six games left, meaning you have three road trips and three home games. That seems eminently reasonable to me and, like, very much a something that, that you know, makes sense uh, from a mathematics standpoint. Now, maybe – the Big Ten is just waiting to see if they can force Notre Dame in until they would add like a Stanford. But I'm a little surprised. I don't know about you. I know their football team sucks now, but I'm a little surprised Stanford with its academic cachet and its academic and its athletic department, which is the number one athletic department in the country, despite the fact that nobody gives a shit about football down there, um, hasn't gotten an invite to make travel easier for the West Coast Big Ten contingent and to raise the profile of the conference. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised at, uh, you know, it makes sense to me that Stanford and Cal are the ones that you're hearing linked with the ACC or linked with the Big 12 or something like that. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, those are big, big college football brands. And quite frankly, I th- and I do think uh, for, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Washington State uh, and Oregon State. I think they're a credit to any conference that they're in. They've got super loyal fans. Uh for any of this to work, you need some teams in there that know how to eat shit and then, you know, pop up every few years with a little false hope. That's yeah, part of what I makes mean, the game great. Just, I mean, I think WSU is just a victim of its of its geography, and then they've got other problems too. Like, I was looking at their attendance last year. Their attendance was like 25,000. Yeah. That's sixth. That's sixth in the Mountain West. Yeah. If they joined the Mountain West, that's sixth place in the Mountain West. They had multiple games like they had 21,000 people show up to their game against Utah last year at home yeah like Utah was the conference champion like that should have been a sellout their only game that was a sellout was the Apple Cup is the only game they got more than 30,000 people like that's a that's a problem that they have to address um because I know that it's it's geographically isolated but their stadium is also one-third the size of like Penn State and you know half the size of like Oklahoma State and some of these other very rural uh, universities that draw. I mean, Penn State gets a hundred thousand people. Um, yeah, I don't know how far is Penn State like way off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's out there. I mean, you know, it's it, it might not be quite as far away from everything as Pullman is, but Pullman is only four hours from Seattle and it's an hour from Spokane. Getting thirty plus thousand people to a game, I mean, should be doable. You know, again, yeah. we're not talking about a hundred thousand here. We're talking about thirty. Yeah, and then we're, but then the problem is, is like once the weather turns, you can get in the car to go to that game and not be sure that you're going to make it. You know, like through like road closures. Yeah, I hear you. I'm just saying, if you want to, if you want to make it in this world, you're going to have to find a way to get thirty thousand people to your games because I think that their attendance is, you know, their TV numbers are okay, but their attendance when you're looking at other schools in these other conferences that have to agree to go to these locations, I think the the presidents and the athletic directors are like. I mean, they averaged twenty five thousand people a game last year to football. Like, that's not that's not enough. Like, you got to get more. Yeah, you know, they got to be in the low thirties. Oh man, I feel bad for them. So they're gonna. What's the Mountain West TV deal pay a year? Like five million? Five, a little bit less than five. Jesus. They might. Yeah, I mean, I I understand why they wanted everybody to take the Apple deal. I understand because it's a massive premium over what their second best alternative was. Yeah. Um, so 25 a year sounds great if your next best option is five. But if you've got schools that you're uh, pushing on, like not even just Washington and Oregon, like, I mean, Utah and Arizona and Arizona State and Colorado all had better offers on the table than 25 a year. So it's tough. It's a tough sell when you're that, your second best option is that much worse you know, then everybody else's second option, which is better than what they're you're asking them to take. It's just, I mean, it sucks, but it's just a, it's just a tough sell. I mean, then the the other part of this is that like the reason that college, you know, why sports of all kinds command such outrageous rights fees is because it's like the only thing people watch anymore, live, and. Uh, I'm looking at the cable television subscribers by year in the United States. This is just like a Wikipedia article or something like that. Peaks in December of 2016 at 97 million subscriptions, right? Yeah. We're 20 million off that as of December 2022. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the Apple deal is the future, right? I mean, it's I think streaming. so too. It's going to be the future. I think it's not, and it's not even that far off in the future. Yeah. But, but the problem with the PAC 12 was it had spent all of its capital on selling people on the future. The PAC 12 network was supposed to be the future. They're going to own it. They're going to control the content. Larry Scott was the architect of that. They went to that, the future well for 10 years with Larry Scott and then Klyovkov to a lesser degree, uh, with the promise of future riches. And it never developed, and the Pac-12 fell way behind in revenue, and they're just and they were not on TV at good times, 
and they were on, you know, they were on Thursday night games and they were Pac-12 after dark. They had, they had shitty time slots. And so if you are an athletic director and a president, again, Washington, Oregon, even the, the Arizona schools in Colorado and, and Utah, and you are faced with a choice of taking a flyer on what seems to be the future, which is streaming yeah. at, a, at, a, at a discount versus um, the immediate uh, gratification of getting more money and playing on national television for the next couple of years in prime time time slots uh, where you're not and you know we're not asking your fan base to, to say trust us anymore and let's be honest when streaming becomes the future what's gonna happen Apple's gonna buy ESPN or whatever and someone's gonna buy the rights to Fox yeah um, and they're gonna or Fox is gonna buy a major streaming service and integrate it to its existing coverage it's not like it's not like Fox and ESPN are just gonna throw up their hands and say damn it Apple got us we're done and they're just gonna unplug the you know unplug the, the cameras like they're just gonna spend a couple billion dollars and integrate it into their coverage and then you're not gonna be in any worse position if you were on linear television the prior year you're just gonna be on the same platform in a streaming sense the next year right as everybody else yeah I mean I think that's like the you don't want to be even though I think anybody would agree that the switch to streaming is inevitable you want to be part of like an on mass transition to that. Yeah. It's like the, it, you know, pioneers get slaughtered, settlers prosper. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the PAC 12 could have jumped at that deal and been the first ones on an all streaming platform. And in five years, probably everybody would be, but for the next four years, while that transition worked itself out, the PAC 12 would be taking it on the chin with less viewers, less access to recruits. They'd be falling farther behind the other major conferences and then Fox and ESPN are just going to swallow up some major streaming service or get swallowed up by a company like Apple. And then they're going to get integrated in like nothing, like nothing, you know, ever changed. I, to and, me, again, it's, it's just a no brainer. You just, you go with what gets you the most eyeballs and the most money now. And it'll, you know, and that's that. Yep. No, I agree with that. The, the, the other thing that's like goofy to me on this is that, well, first of all, is that, but I think people have said, and I agree that like a big part of what ESPN and Fox are doing here was like, at least for this round, keep the streamers out of the game so that we can maintain our monopoly on college football. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, because there are fans who are just like, I own, I, all I care about watching is the Huskies, you know, yep. or Oregon or, you know, whoever. So if they're on Apple, then my cable package can eat shit and I'll save a little money and I'll still be able to watch all the games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what ESPN and, and Fox are trying to do. It's all about, in media, it's all about eyeballs, right? They're trying yep. to preserve as many eyeballs as they can and avoid as, as much dilution as possible for as long as possible because right now they're able to sell commercials to advertisers for more money because they command most of the eyeballs. And as soon as the streaming services get in and start to take uh, market share, that... The, the economics will go down for ESPN and Fox, and that's where they'll either have to buy or be, you know, acquire or be acquired um, to get themselves onto those platforms as well, because that's where the eyeballs are going to be migrating. Yeah. Um, but, but for the just, money to work right. out, as I'm looking, like, I think, like, with these declining cable subscribers, I like, I think, like, like, if we're lucky, Washington and Oregon get the next deal at full revenue share, you know? And, like, at some point, if the subscribers keep going down, the money's not going to be what the money was. Maybe. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, it, there seems to be an unlimited amount of popularity for college football right now. It's the, you know, it's the second game in town behind the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I think the next deal might be, you know, might be less money than the, this current deal. Washington and Oregon will get a full share so instead of it being 80 million a year, it might be 60 or 50 per team, but it'll be all relative because it'll be the same for the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. They, yeah. They'll all go down incrementally as well. If, if there's a correction, you still want to be on the top of the heap for that correction. And yeah. the, the, the clear cut winners are going to be the big right now, at least are going to be the Big 10 and the SEC. They're always going to command 
80%, let's say 70% of the money that's available for this are going to go to those two conferences once yeah. they've finished expanding. Um, and then they'll split up, you know, they'll split it up amongst their members. And maybe that's going to be a little bit less than it is now as the streaming kicks in. Um, but I mean, the streaming packages are expensive, man. Like 10 bucks, you know, like the Apple ones, you know, 10 bucks a month for the subscription or whatever. Oh, that adds in. up. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a, as, as we move to streaming, I mean, there's you're you're throwing in all that subscription revenue, as you know, on top of the with the the ad revenue. It's I don't know that it's going to be that much of a differential between where we're at now with the cable revenue plus then the ad revenue. I mean, it's it's the same number of dollars potentially just being you know amongst the different platforms. But I don't you know American uh, capitalism is not famous for like letting competitors come in and be like yeah let's let a couple other you know like. They're going to swallow it up again and try and keep it at two or three, you know, prime, you know, ESPN, Fox, and maybe Apple because it's big enough to play with those big boys. Um, and I don't know, see who else is going to get in that game. All right. So how about over the course of this season, we'll kind of work out what the hell we're going to do next year because uh, we're going to be in a different conference and I talk to you, you know, <laughs> gonna be a lot of damn picks <laughs> yeah well i'm not picking i'm not picking Rutgers games unless they're playing you are. you're you're picking Rutgers games <laughs> but what am i gonna do be like illinois and uh you know nebraska well i don't care we're gonna you have to get on you're gonna have to get on the nebraska message boards nebraska by the way tonight had ninety-two thousand people at a women's volleyball game i love intense. that i love that so cool yeah um but yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to get involved with the Rutgers recruiting scene see what's what you know? Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not looking forward I heard, to it. I heard that Rutgers is in more debt now because they've been getting these huge Big Ten payoffs since they joined the Big Ten. That you know, like their revenue has gone up so much, but they were starting from scratch, basically with an athletic department, and so they've spent so much money trying to upgrade their facilities and everything that they have. They are their financial problems are so much worse than they were before they joined the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> it's just a comedy. This is like. I love it, man. It's so great. That's America, baby. That is America. I love it. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.